are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. People call me Pastor Lewis. I'm not Rick. He's with his family. Um, I'm really honored to be able to open the Word today as we end this year and begin a new one. I would like to pray for this service and myself. Father, um, the words you've given me, um, I want to be faithful to. And, um, and so you've been teaching me and you've been convicting me and you've been challenging me uh, in the last month. And um, maybe you've been doing that to some others here in this room. And I just pray that the next few moments would be used by you for whatever you want to be done in our lives. I need uh, your spirit upon me. I need you to help direct uh, my thoughts to the things I've, I've prepared. I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do. Amen. Um, I visited a lot of people in the hospital. Uh, and uh, this week, I went to uh, pray with someone at the hospital right before they had surgery. And, and the timing is always different. Sometimes I get there ahead of time and I'm there in the, in the foyer and I pray with them. And, and then sometimes I, I get there uh, maybe right before they're getting ready to be uh, wheeled down to surgery. Um, on this particular day, I got in there and, and the RN was um, in the room still and she was asking questions. And pastors, you know, we have to kind of watch out because they ask you a lot of personal questions. And, and if I get there a little bit too early, I say, well, let me go get a cup of coffee so you can answer those truthfully. And uh, so, uh, but in this particular time, they've already asked those questions. And, and uh, but she was uh, putting the IV in, getting all that worked up. And my friend laying there on the bed, and here's his family sitting there. We were all kind of talking and laughing and doing well. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, my friend said, do you think the doctor will notice my tattoo? And uh, I said, you have a tattoo? He said, yes, yes. Would you like to see it, Lewis? Uh, well, where is it? <laughs> you know? And uh, it's over my thigh. My thigh. Oh, okay, yeah. Show, show me your tattoo. And so uh, he was showing me his tattoo. He said, I did it myself. <laughs> you did it yourself? Yeah, yeah. I was kind of bored a couple years ago. And... Um, Got online. I found out you can order your uh, do-it-yourself tattoo kit, and uh, and it comes with a gun. It comes with the ink. It comes with a pedal. It comes with all the instructions. I mean, what could go wrong? And uh, and so I said, um, well, uh, what did you want to have? Well, I was going to have an, an eagle, and the word journey. I think is what he said. Journey is going to be across the eagle, and so they give you this kind of a pattern to follow. And you, you stick it, you kind of glue it on your leg, and then with the needle, then you just follow the, the pattern. And then he said, well, but I was in the middle of that, and, and, and it started bleeding, I think, a lot more than it was supposed to. And, and my pattern started floating on the blood. <clears throat> and, and I was kind of, you know, burning the stuff in there, and my pattern started kind of sliding down the side of my leg, you know. And I, I didn't realize it until it was maybe a little too late. And, uh, oh, is that really? So, well, um, and, then, and then it started, well, I saw it, it looked kind of round and big. And so I said, instead of an eagle, I'm going to turn into a bug. I'm going to turn into a bug. And he kind of winged it. And uh, he showed me his uh, winging experience, you know. 
Um, I said, well, that bug is not from around here. Uh, must be an African bug, you know. And instead of having a journey, he said, bugs hurt. It was really, really, it was tattooed on the bottom of that bug. Bugs hurt. <clears throat> well, what do you do when you look down on your leg and you realize what you've done didn't turn out the way you planned? What do you do when you look down on your life and you realize what you've done didn't really turn out as you planned? You know, you've woken up and realized you have weaknesses and you have failures, problems. Parts of your life are broken into pieces. But about 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote a letter to a bunch of people just like us. And they too had weaknesses and failures and problems and lives broken into pieces. They were just the same then as today. I would like to show you the scripture that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, really focusing in on verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. Light shining in our hearts refers to a situation that Moses had in the Old Testament. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he was carrying two stone tablets. And these were the terms of the covenant that God was making to his children, the old covenant. He really wasn't even aware that his face had become radiant because he was speaking to God. And he even had to wear a veil for a while because the, the light and the radiance really kind of almost scared the people. And it all came from spending time with God. The, um, Paul is emphasizing here in this verse that the old and the new covenants are different. The old covenant that God had made with his people were written on stone tablets. But the new covenant is written on our hearts. The old covenant is the letter of the law, while the new covenant is of the Spirit. The, Spirit, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Old Covenant brings condemnation, but the New Covenant, it brings righteousness. The Old Covenant had a glory that faded. The New Covenant has a glory that remains and surpasses what the Old Covenant appeared to be. The New Covenant, glory or light, can only be obtained when we are in the presence of God. This light is a demonstration of that relationship that we have between God and man. But then it goes on to say in that verse, But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Now, back in the Roman times, they had other containers besides clay jars. They had metal uh, they could produce. And if they had a real good treasure, they'd probably put that in that more dependable container. 
cheap and easy, though, as clay. This is maybe what they carried some water from the well in. And um, it could be produced just from the clay from the earth and it's baked. And, and uh, almost anyone could, anyone could make this and almost everyone had it. But in the scripture it talks about the clay jar and how breakable it is and was. Have, um, how often do you break a glass around your house? Um, I've been married 40 years, and we, we received a whole bunch of pottery when we first got married. Reed and I did. I remember the color. And over the years, we would drop the pottery. We had some crystal glass. And over the years, we would drop. Have you ever known? We, we would have people over, and we had broken so much of our good stuff that, you know, you might be sitting there with a crystal, lead crystal glass, and the next person is drinking out of a jelly glass. The jelly glass, you never drop and break. But, but the crystal glass, it's like it's wanting to commit suicide. It will jump out of your hand and hit those pavers on the kitchen floor and break and shatter. Well, Paul makes it clear that the condition of man, the condition of us, is highly likely to be broken. It is what life does. It is what we do. It is what others do to us. It's what sin does. We're fragile. A disappointment happens. I didn't even test this, see what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, that was, it did exactly what I thought it was going to happen. Um, <clears throat> sin uh, hurts events of life. Uh, tend to break it. Timmy? Where's Timmy? I think he went around. He's going to be there for the second service here. Let me just kind of put this in here. I saw Gary Bands on the front row, and he looked a little bored, you know, already five minutes into the sermon. He was yawning. And uh, I've got most of the pieces. Here's some glue. Some people, you know, during the week put crossword puzzles together and kind of, you know, watch TV, the ball games, and they're kind of pass. This is your project this week, is to take this um, clay pot and with Elmer's glue, and, and you can put it back together. And there's a few pieces I didn't get picked up. You'll need to get those. I'll just leave that with you here. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Can you take a picture when you get through? And he said, thank you, thank you, thank you for this opportunity. <laughs> we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You know, we tend to think treasure as being jewels or money or gold, silver, rare art. Sometimes our treasures are family or spouse or child, grandchildren. Okay, be truthful. How much money did you spend on your grandkids this year for Christmas, you know? Uh, I can't say no to Ronan. I just can't. I mean, just, he's my treasure. But the great treasure spoken here is the Spirit of God. God himself 
the one that created and put it all in existence, the all-wise, the knowing, the loving, the kind, the providing, the most merciful, the one that makes everything right and will make everything right, the one that can put the pieces back together, the one that's been here from the beginning and the one that will be in control at the end. Of all the strange and unlikely places for him to make his home, he chooses you. He chooses me. Broken, fragile vessels. He makes his home in people who are far from perfect. You know why? He says, because I'm God and I love my children. And because I can do what I want. Personally, I've uh, made my home in three states. I've lived in 16 different houses, two dorms, one mobile home, a motel, three apartments. And in my neighborhood, which is around here, I used to drive by homes and You'd either think of the people that are living there now or maybe who used to live there, and I would drive down Wheeler, and uh, I would say, oh, that's the Sylvie's house. You know, it was, that was the first family I knew that owned a two-story house. My goodness, you know, right there on Wheeler. I'd drive down 42nd. Oh, that was the Payne's house. Man, he always kept that, that lawn immaculate. Um, I'd drive down college, and there's the garage apartment that Rita was living in when we were dating. I remember that drive, that driveway right there. That's where I, right three blocks from here, that's where I, I, I kissed her for the very first time, right there in that drive. Row one, seat 12. Kent Gehring. Yeah, that's where, that's where God lives, right there. That, that's his house. Way back, row 24. Way, way, way back on the back row. Maybe Don Dunnington's back there. God started living in him a long time ago. Made his home right there. Row 16, east side. Butcher Rico. Well, I know for sure God lives there. Row 8, west side. Bailey Spindle. She'll be in the second service. Oh, my goodness. Haven't you seen God in her lately? What is the treasure? It's the Spirit of God. What is the clay jar? It's people and our weaknesses and our broken condition. And God chooses to make his home in us. Broken clay jars. Why does God put himself in us? His messed up people? Well, here's, here's three reasons. God's spirit and love raises the broken to life. God raises the broken to life. That's us. Those that are around us. Second Corinthians says it this way. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. The new has begun. In John 4 it says, Now, another reason why he puts himself in this messed up children, is that we can see God in us, in me. For though... 
We have never seen God. This is in John 4. When we love each other, God lives in us, and his love within us grows ever stronger. And he has put his Holy Spirit in our hearts as proof, as proof to us that we are living with him and he with us. He lives within us because he wants to give us proof that he's right there with us so we can see and experience and feel and talk to him and be led and be healed and be loved by his spirit. The third reason that he might put himself in his messed up children, broken, is that the world can see God's love in me. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. There's a pastor, his name is James Peters, uh, he works for Navigators. And one time he was asked, what is the secret, what is the secret of ministering to people? His reply, let the people see the cracks in your lives and you will minister to them. Transparency. Being real. Stop pretending. Be exactly what God is making you, even with all your flaws. There's a parable that describes this truth. There was a man who would carry two containers like this on a stick, and uh, one was a perfect container with no cracks. The other one had a few cracks in it. It would hold water, but not all the way home. So each day for two years, he would carry these two, these two pots, fill them up with water, and then he'd walk home. Next day, he'd do the same thing. And someone asked him, so, well, why do you keep that broken pot around? Why do you, I mean, you lose half your water by the time you get home in that one pot. Why don't you just throw it away, and why don't you just get two good pots? And he said, well, look at the path that I journey every day. Look at the path. The side of the path with the perfect pot is dry, scorched. Look at the part of the path that has the pot that's broken and leaks and runs over. There's plants and there's greenery and there's life. And over two years, that, that leaky vessel has produced new life. When we broken vessels share the treasure living within us to others, it produces life. That last part of the verse says, This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. So God, choosing to live in us, clay jars. It says our identity is not in the cracks and the broken pieces. Our identity, our transformation, our redemption, our righteousness... All the putting the pieces back together, it is God's power and not our effort that accomplishes that task. Yeah, we do have a part in it, but we could not do it on our own. It is only through God's power that our identity is changed from broken pieces to the one 
that lives in us. You want an evangelism plan? Don't worry about memorizing a whole bunch of words. When you're a broken vessel and you meet another broken vessel, God says, treat them the way I treat you. When you meet another broken vessel, treat them the way I treat you. I have about ten favorite verses. In the top ten, here's one. And I'm going to conclude this service with that. Jesus is talking to some very wise people. And he says, let me give you a puzzle. I want you to figure this out. I want you to figure out what this means. I don't only want you to figure it out intellectually. I want you to figure this out in your life. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. When you look at yourself, receive the mercy I've given you. When you look at others, give the mercy I give you. Really, I'm not interested in all the sacrifices you're planning on making for me. But if you embrace my very character, if you embrace my very kingdom, and you receive the mercy I give you, and you give to other broken vessels the mercy I gave you, Change lives in evangelism. Well, you really can't stop it happening because they're going to see me. Mark, Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us, your love. And as we approach this new year, teach us, teach us as broken vessels how we can show people the loving power of our great big God. Teach me how to do that. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.